From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI News Radio, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, The Voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM, the Green Renaissance Network. And in Palinville, New York, on WLPP 102.9 FM. And Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We are also streaming coast-to-coast and around planet Earth on the intertubes, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. Glad you could join us for another thrilling edition of The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. A second night of protests in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, turned violent on Wednesday night as a man participating in the demonstration was gunned down by someone. Though the city of Charlotte was quick to pronounce that shooting as a civilian-on-civilian gunshot fatality, and the corporate media was quick to echo that pronouncement, as it turns out, the person who was shot during that protest, uh, during the protests, actually remains on critical condition on life support at this hour as we go to air. And it's still unclear on how or why he was shot and who the shooter actually was. That shooting came during the demonstrations following the police shooting of Keith uh, Lamont Scott outside of an apartment building in Charlotte earlier this week as police were attempting to locate a different man, a completely different guy, uh, with outstanding warrants at the building. Scott, according to his family, was in a car in the apartment building's parking lot reading a book while waiting for his daughter to come home from school. Police, however, insist that the African-American man had a gun and refused to drop it when ordered to do so by police. They claim a gun was found at the scene, but not a book. To date, though video of the initial shooting incident appears to exist, Charlotte police have refused to release it to the public. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Kerry Putney Said at, a, uh, said at a press conference that while the department is attempting to offer transparency about the incident, at least to the victim's family, they currently do not plan to release video of that shooting, the shooting of Keith Scott, to the public. Here's Chief Putney at a presser on Thursday, I believe, being questioned by the media on this point. The video does not give me absolute definitive um, visual evidence that um, that would confirm that a person is pointing a gun. I did not see that in the videos that I've reviewed. So uh, what I can tell you, though, is when taken in the totality of all the other evidence, it supports 
what we've heard and the version of the truth that we gave about the circumstances that happened that led to the death of Mr. Scott. Adam Murray, you seem to get mixed messages here. On the one hand, you're saying we should have full transparency. On the other hand, you're saying you're not going to release the video. How can you square those two things? They're obviously, the idea of full transparency is release the video so we can all see it. Sure. I appreciate your passion, but I never said full transparency. I said transparency, and transparency is in the eye of the beholder. I can tell you the, the party... The party right now who really is my priority in honoring their request is the people who um, really are the victims of the shooting. So what I'm going to do is honor that request. And I'm going to tell you, if you think I say we should, dis we should display um, a victim's worst day for public consumption, that is not the transparency I'm speaking of, sir. That was Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Kerr Putney, I believe I called him Kerry before, uh, at a press conference uh, about the department's uh, refusal, at least at this time, to release whatever video was available from the police shooting of Keith Scott in, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. In the meantime, the state's governor, Pat McCrory, has now declared a state of emergency, has called in the National Guard uh, to be on standby in Charlotte. On Wednesday night, police deployed tear gas and flash bang grenades as chaos reigned uh, through some parts of the city at times. Nine civilians were injured. There were 44 overnight arrests reportedly on charges from failure to disperse to assault and breaking and entering, according to Chief Putney. More arrests are likely after police investigators review surveillance video, the chief noted. And witnesses now to the second shooting, the shooting, the one that occurred during the Wednesday night demonstrations in Charlotte, now have questions about whether the shooting really was carried out by a civilian, uh, as the city claimed quickly last night, or whether it might have been carried out by a police officer. According to a press release issued late on Wednesday night, several members of the Charlotte Clergy Coalition for Justice who say they were just about 10 feet away from the victim when he was shot, questioned the official accounts of the incident. Minister Steve Knight of the Mission Gathering Christian Church in Charlotte said, I saw the man go down on the pavement. It was an ambush. The victim was shot while he stood between two ministers, and we believe he was shot by police. We would like to see surveillance video from the surrounding area that may have captured the shooting to determine who was responsible for that deadly shooting, he said. Chief Putney said he was also reviewing the available video of that incident, trying to figure out what happened there. Yesterday at about 6 p.m., a group of peaceful protesters uh, from Marshall Park moved towards the police headquarters building and uh, began to exercise their First Amendment. Uh, this was a very peaceful demonstration. Later on, additional protesters started to uh, join the ranks of the initial peaceful protesters, uh, and they began to block some of the roadways as they headed towards the transit center and the epicenter. At about 8 p.m., uh, a group started to jump on vehicles in about the 700 block of East 7th Street, and uh, they began to damage property at the epicenter. Um, we deployed our civil emergency unit at that point uh, to de-escalate the situation and again uh, bring uh, restore order. At about 8.30, uh, we had officers who responded to North College Street and East Trade Street for an assault with a deadly weapon call. Uh, one person was located with an apparent gunshot wound 
and he was located there in the Omni Hotel. Um, right now, uh, that uh, shooting victims in critical condition. Due to concer uh, concerns around security, uh, the victim was evacuated by our Bearcat, our SWAT armored personnel carrier. We couldn't get medic in at the time because of the size of the crowd. Uh, the victim was then transported, uh, transferred to medic and was transported to CMC Maine, as I said, with life-threatening life injuries. Um, at that point, because of the size of the crowd, we deployed gas, and that would have been at about 8.43 p.m. Uh, the reason I say I'm not defending the position is the shooting that took place, there's a lot of information about who did that shooting. Um, we're reviewing video and we're assessing our people who were there as well because an allegation was made that one of our officers might have been involved. As I said before, guys, we're here to seek the truth. So we're investigating that to find the truth, the absolute truth, as best the evidence can uh, show us. Once again, that was Charlotte Police Chief Kerr Putney at a uh, press uh, press conference on Thursday morning speaking to media in that case about the uh, about this new shooting, uh, or at least the shooting that took place uh, during the demonstrations in Charlotte last night, which at times, as you have heard, uh, turned chaotic uh, and, uh, well, a lot of uh, stress, a lot of tension right now in uh, in the city of Charlotte. So what exactly happened in that second shooting last night? And how did we get to this place in Charlotte, North Carolina anyway, where tensions remain exceedingly high and fear of more violence in the city persists? Joining us now is Linda Flynn, executive director of the Charlotte Spirituality Center. She says she was just feet away from the man who was shot at the demonstration on uh, in Charlotte on Wednesday night. She's the executive director of the Charlotte Spirituality Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Linda Flynn, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, were, where were you, actually? Uh, I, I believe you said uh, you were just feet away. So where were you? Explain to me where you were in relation to the person who was shot and uh, originally reported to have been killed, but now, as as we understand, at least at this moment, uh, he's alive, uh, but uh, on life support as we go to air today. I know the city of Charlotte was very quick to call the incident a civilian-on-civilian gunshot fatality Wednesday night, uh, trying to emphasize it was not the police or the city of Charlotte involved here. So tell me exactly where you were and what you saw uh, for, for this particular shooting. Yeah, so um, you know, I think at this point uh, even uh, the police have understood that it is completely unclear as to how the shooting happened. I was about 10 feet away um, from the gentleman um, who was shot. Um, you know, we heard a loud, a loud bang. It sounded like a gunshot. Um, nobody knew where it was coming from. Um, and we saw the man go down. Uh, police medics came and quickly lifted his body up. And, of course, there was a, a pool of blood there. Um, there were people who were uh, directly next to the gentleman that started vomiting, um, I think, you know, they just had such a graphic view of everything. Um, but, I, you know, I can tell you uh, just, you know, the, the, the violence mm -hmm. did not escalate, did not escalate until the uh, police had to, uh, decided to um, bring in 
uh, more of a, a force. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I've had very little sleep. So uh, <laughs> understood, that's okay. Searching for words here, but um, until they, they put on their riot gear, yeah. uh, really, it was a, a very, very peaceful protest. And I want to ask about specifically about the, uh, uh, the conditions in the protest right around the area, but as far as this man is concerned who was shot, do you know who yeah. this man was? Did you know him personally? Uh, can you give us a physical description of this man and, and what he was actually doing at the time uh, that he was shot and went down? Right, yeah. So um, I did not know him personally, um, but as a, a, a leader of faith in the uh, Charlotte community, um, you know, we did try to comfort uh, the friend who mm-hmm. uh, was with the gentleman, and we asked him what what was his name, and he said Cantrell. His name was Cantrell, and that's about all we got out of him. He was obviously sobbing, uh, very upset. Um, you know, as far as we could tell, he was just in the in the midst of of a mob of people. So it wasn't as if, you know, he was just by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he was right in the center of people, and, and folks just scattered. As a matter of fact, I had a, um, a, a newscaster uh, um, mm-hmm. fall on top of me because people had just started to scatter away from the scene at that point. W- was was Cantrell, was he black? Was he white? Was he part of this uh, group of ministers, to your knowledge, Linda? Oh, no, 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 no. He was a protester. Uh, he was definitely African-American. He, um, you know, not being able to, it mm-hmm. happened so fast. Um, right. But I'm, I'm guessing because of his friend, who was probably uh, 20 years old, mm-hmm. um, that he was, he was likely a kid, 20, 21, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, media reports have said that uh, most of the area of the protest had been peaceful on Wednesday night, though we have seen violence and, and property destruction in some places. What was the mood ali- uh, like right around that area uh, where this man was shot, where you were at the time, where you saw him go down, was that a peaceful part of the demonstration, or were some of the some of the uh, uh, violence uh, sort of uh, beginning to rise at that time nearby? Yeah, so um, I I would call it peaceful, meaning that there were not there weren't any mm-hmm. um, weapons being used uh, by protesters. Sure, they were upset, they were yelling at the police. Um, they were expressing their grief. Um, you know, these are folks who have a lifetime of, of trauma, um, and when things like this happen, they, they just feel, you know, traumatized all over again. Um, so, you know, there was no violence at all in terms of any protesters having anything uh, aside from signs and chanting and yelling, um, but it, it was really the moment when uh, the police led the protesters to the Omni Hotel mm-hmm. into that small space in the parking deck, and they turned about face and started to get violent at that point because the protesters were yelling at them. We saw uh, the the know, police uh, be- Billy clubs come out. The, yes. Okay. The, the police got violent. Out. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and so uh, tear gas had actually started even before um, the shooting. It had, it had already begun. Do, do you uh, share, I'm speaking with uh, Linda Flynn, the executive director of the Charlotte Spirituality Center, who uh, says she witnessed this uh, shooting last night uh, in Charlotte. Uh, do you share the belief 
uh, or, or at least the concern from the uh, Charlotte Clergy Coalition. Uh, they originally uh, put out this uh, press release uh, that I uh, mentioned a statement earlier uh, from Minister Steve Knight. Do you share their belief, their concern at least, that the, uh, that the man was shot not by another civilian, as the city has said, but was actually shot by someone on the on the police force there? Yes. So I would say, you know, it is unclear. However, of course, we have concern. We have concern because, um, you know, the, the shooting that happened uh, with Scott, uh, we don't have a tape on that. So there's questions there. Uh, I think it's it's um, it would be very normal for all of us to have some suspicion mm-hmm. um, because we're not receiving transparency. Um, and and that's what we're calling for. Uh, it's it's hard to know. I, I think what I I do firmly believe as a person of faith in this community is that that it was a peaceful protest until the the police decided to make it not so, and that is our concern. That is our concern. Understood. So there was no specific, and I've been trying to get some information from the Charlotte uh, Clergy Coalition. Uh, is your group, by the way, a member of that particular coalition, the Charlotte Clergy? I guess we are. Yes. Okay. Because okay. uh, I've been trying to get some information. What you know? What evidence they had? What hard evidence they have uh, to, to back up this uh, this assertion that the shooter was actually uh, a member of the police force? To your knowledge, Linda Flynn, you don't know what, if any, that evidence is as of now. That's just a a suspicion on the part of the uh, Charlotte uh, Clergy. Coalition? That, that's correct. Okay. That's uh, correct. And have you spoken personally, Linda, with investigate? You were a, a, a witness here, in, in fact. Have you yes. spoken personally yes. uh, with investigators from either the city or the state or even federal authorities about what you actually saw on Wednesday night? No, no, absolutely not. There, there has not been any investigation of any sort that, that I have been aware of. Uh, and and there were a handful of us clergy right there, mm-hmm. and we were we have not been approached in any shape or form. And, no. and uh, have have you let the uh, the authorities know that you saw what happened, or that you were at least a, a witness to part of the scene? Yes, uh, yes. We had a press conference today mm-hmm. uh, where our um, representative, uh, Reverend Robin Tanner, mm-hmm. spoke and and uh, did did. Uh, share uh, publicly what we saw, um, you know, what we were uh, there doing, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we, ha- we have not heard yet. Of course, things are very chaotic, so they, they, you know, the police have a lot on their hands right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I, I want to get your thoughts as well, uh, Linda, on the, on the first shooting uh, by uh, a mm-hmm. police officer of uh, Keith Scott, um, uh, but first, w- what is going on right now? And I want to find out what brought you to those uh, to that uh, demonstration. But what is going on? What is the mood right now uh, uh, in the city of Charlotte? Is there peace? Is there calm? Is there concern about uh, what could happen uh, as uh, as nightfall sets in again on what we'll call uh, day three of this uh, of these demonstrations? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, uh, is there peace? No, but there hasn't been peace uh, really in with race relations and police officers for quite some time um, in the city of Charlotte. Is there calm uh, today? The city tried to get back to business as usual. Um, it looks like a war zone. It is a mess. It surely is a mess. Um, many companies you know, did shut down for the day. I told their employees not 
come in. Um, how, how does it look like? Wind. How does it look like a war zone? I know uh, Governor uh, McCrory has declared a state of emergency. He's called in the National Guard. Have you seen signs of that National Guard, uh, uh, that National Guard contingent? And when you say it looks like a war zone, does it look like a war zone because of the the militarized police presence or because of the uh, incidents of uh, violence and demonstrations and tear gas and everything else going on? Yeah, so I would say both and. Um, we are seeing uh, you know, a, a large presence of, mm-hmm. of uniforms on the ground. We have not seen um, the National Guard come in yet. I suspect that we'll be seeing them this evening. Um, but just in terms of, you know, uh, broken glass, um, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, trash on the ground, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it is pretty... Um, is pretty disturbing. What do you uh, What do you say in in response? I know there is a reason you were at those demonstrations in the first place. So I just want to get uh, your thoughts on the uh, well, uh, but uh, sort of the conflicting statements between what the police have said uh, concerning Keith Scott a- having a gun. The family has said he had a book, uh, and sort of the, uh, the more directly the conflicting statements from Police Chief Putney uh, that he wants transparency here, but he does not want to release or does not plan to release uh, at the moment the videotapes that are apparently available. I don't know if they're body cam uh, uh, video or dash cam video uh, from that original shooting of, uh, of, of Keith Scott. Do you accept the, uh, the city's explanation right now that this is under investigation? It would be inappropriate to release that uh, material at this time? No, um, I actually disagree with that. I, I, I believe that if, if they would release that video, it would be a sure olive branch to the black community in, in Charlotte um, that I think might help to de-escalate some of the protesting that we're, we're seeing right now. Uh, at our um, uh, press conference today, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend Barber uh, came in, and uh, we had come to understand at that point that there were uh, several police um, who didn't have their body cams on. And so, you know, we're wondering, well, what was that about? Why mm-hmm. didn't you have your body cam on? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it uh, seems to me that that would be a, a good reason to uh, let someone go from the force if they're not completing their job correctly. Indeed. Um, if, in fact, they turn that off uh, inappropriately. Uh, yeah. We've been covering, uh, let me, before I let you go, Linda Flynn, uh, you know, we have been covering a lot of news out of North Carolina over recent months. And we're a, we're not a North Carolina show. We're a national program. Uh, but still a lot of news coming out of uh, North Carolina over recent months and years, uh, unfortunately, from the uh, yep. the Moral Monday protest movement to the governor, uh, his seeming cover up of uh, coal ash uh, pond spills in the state to his anti-LGBT bathroom bill, uh, HB2. The uh, the controversy over what we've described uh, on day one, really, as it was enacted as the nation's worst voter suppression law since the Jim Crow era uh, to that bill getting knocked down at the federal court level um, fights now with that law uh, having been found by a federal court to have targeted African-Americans with almost surgical precision. So. Counties now fighting over early voting days. Uh, a lot of often racially charged controversy there. Um, so I, I want to talk about has there been a simmering tension due to uh, a lot of these things between the uh, police and the African-American community, as you have seen it? Uh, and 
if you've been a, a longtime uh, uh, Charlotte resident, can you talk a little bit about how things have changed in recent years since the Republican takeover of the state and the uh, the election of Governor Pat McCrory out there? Right, right. Yeah, well, um, I can't speak for Charlotte as being really a very progressive um, city. I think anyone who has been fighting any city uh, leaders, uh, uh, Congress people, you know, uh, have worked very closely with Charlotte. We are the progressive city here in, in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that the tensions that, that have, uh, have been raising uh, here in the African-American community really is more of a nationwide issue. I think that, you know, yes, we've had things locally, but um, the black community is looking all over the United States, and they're seeing shooting after shooting after shooting. I mean, the mantra is not one more. Uh, I talked to a fellow yesterday who said, why do I have a target on my back just because I'm black? Mm. You know, um, I think it's more the nation, you know, the news that's happening nationwide of, of uh, you know, black men who are being killed. Um, you know, there's, there's just this great concern for why are the police using deadly force? Mm-hmm. And that is what we are concerned about as clergy and people of faith here in North Carolina. Uh, will you be participating, Linda Flynn, in uh, these uh, demonstrations, as I suspect they will continue on uh, Thursday night and perhaps into the weekend? Do you uh, uh, plan on participating in those? Yes, so this evening we're actually having a prayer vigil uh, in front of the Omni Hotel where Cantrell uh, was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to reconsecrate the ground there, um, and then we'll just be available as needed to, to try to promote a peaceful presence, try to keep, uh, you know, uh, things uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, you know, at bay. Um, we, last night, you know, when, when the the riot gear, the police and riot gear started marching towards the, the folks. We just made a human chain to try to provide a, a buffer um, just to try to keep some of the protesters safe mm-hmm. um, in, in case they, you know, might might um, do something that they wish they hadn't. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I really appreciate your uh, time today, Linda Flynn. Uh, I know sure. you're exhausted. You've been up all night. I hope you get some rest <laughs> yeah. out there, and uh, and I hope you'll uh, stay safe. I uh, for everyone in Charlotte. I hope you'll stay safe. Linda Flynn is the executive director of the Charlotte Spirituality Center. She's a teacher, a spiritual director, and a retreat leader there. She's also the author of the retreat workbook, "Praying Twelve Steps with Jesus: A Journey Back to Wholeness." Uh, Linda. Thanks. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Keep Charlotte in your prayers. Thank you. Will do. Speaking of these uh, police actions all across the country, uh, we also talked a little bit yesterday about this incident in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the uh, where an officer fatally shot Terrence Crutcher out there, a man who had his an African-American man. He had his hands up. Police were nowhere near him. He was clearly not threatening the police, according to the video in that case that has been released. Uh, and yet he was shot down nonetheless. Uh, as I was finishing up there uh, speaking with Linda Flynn, I get a, uh, a notice on my uh, iPhone here from AP saying that prosecutors have now announced first-degree manslaughter charges 
against the Tulsa officer uh, who fatally shot Terrence Crutcher. Um, not first degree murder, uh, but first degree manslaughter. And of course, I don't know the uh, the law well enough in uh, in Oklahoma to know what is actually the difference there. But uh, some accountability, it seems, at least beginning in uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, it's very early stages yet, so it's uh, we'll see what happens with this investigation. But they do seem to be moving it forward. Well, they do in Oklahoma. Uh, North Carolina seems to be another story. But I got to tell you, when you have even Donald Trump and does do you have the uh, yeah. the uh, audio from uh, from Trump there? Uh, well, you've got even Donald Trump coming out and saying, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm concerned about what happened in Oklahoma." And I don't know how you can look at that video and not be concerned. Um, here is uh, okay. Let's play uh, some of the remarks from uh, from Donald Trump in response to the uh, to to the video of the police shooting of Terrence Crutcher in Tulsa. I must tell you, I watched the shooting in particular in Tulsa, and that man was hands up. That man went to the car, hands up put his hand on the car. I mean, to me, it looked like he did everything you're supposed to do. And he looked like a really good man. And maybe I'm a little clouded because I saw his family talking about him after the fact. So you get a little bit, you know, different image maybe. But to me, he looked like a, you know, somebody that was doing what they were asking him to do. And uh, this young officer, I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know what she was thinking, but I'm very, very troubled by that. That was Donald Trump speaking in, uh, was that uh, Cleveland? Yeah, that was an African-American church in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, well, he sure was uh, sympathetic to the African-American community at the African-American church, it seems. I also would note, you know, he has not come out and uh, really criticized uh, police at all, despite these hundreds of uh, police shootings uh, that we have seen uh, of late that show up in video, uh, police killings uh, in various ways. Uh, this uh, shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I would note, um, for whatever it's worth, the officer in that case was a woman. Don't know if that played into Donald Trump's uh, thinking there. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, put that on the record for now. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll reset. We'll figure out where the heck we are. Right here on the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we got what we have right now. We do our best on the Bradcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyen and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks.
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Now, of course, I don't want to give you the idea that I was um, <laughs> supporting uh, the, the, uh, Donald Trump. What a great job he was doing in recognizing that police killing in Oklahoma and the fact that he was uh, saying it, uh, frankly, only at an African-American uh, church. Was it church? Yes. Uh, and uh, and that it had to do with a, a female cop. Uh, well, I, the, the point I was trying to make was that even even Donald Trump uh, can't avoid what you can see with your own eyes in that video from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the fact that uh, you know the cops are making claims about uh, how Keith Scott was killed in North Carolina, and the family is directly contradicting that. And there is video that exists, and yet they won't release that video is troubling, to say the least. I don't know who's telling the truth there. Um, uh, but uh, just in case you were getting the impression that I was somehow lauding Donald Trump, I absolutely was not. And there is um, th this comment today from Mike Pence, vice presidential candidate on the Republican side, uh, sort of underscores what I mean here. Uh, just days after two black men were fatally shot by police in Tulsa, Oklahoma and Charlotte, North Carolina, Vice Presidential hopeful Mike Pence on Thursday urged an audience of evangelical leaders to, quote, set aside talk of institutional racism, according to AP. This was a roundtable uh, of pastors in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Pence said that uh, police officers are, quote, the best of us and the public should avoid focusing on talking about racism, which he called the, quote, rhetoric of division. Just avoid talking about it. Well, it, you know, don't away. ask, don't tell, yeah. don't talk, it goes away. It'll go away if you don't talk about it. Which I guess it does in Mike Pence's world. He said, Donald Trump and I both believe that there's been far too much of this talk of institutional bias or racism in law enforcement. Far too much talk. Uh, amazing. Uh, Politico reports that uh, asked by uh, Bishop John Brannan, uh, who is African-American, what Pence would personally do to heal divides in the country. Pence had uh, brought up the recent shootings. He said, when there's any loss of life, we have to speak with compassion. We have to make it clear that there will be a thorough investigation and that justice will be served and that high standards will be upheld, he said. But uh, but apparently doesn't want to talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the rhetoric of division, as he describes talk of our clear obvious race issue that we continue to have in this country. But it doesn't exist uh, uh, to Mike Pence, and it only exists apparently long enough for Donald Trump uh, to recognize it when he's speaking at an African-American church, although I don't even uh, think he brought up the race issue, uh, did he, when he no, was talking about it? not that I saw, yep. not at all. Meanwhile, the Congressional Black Caucus is now demanding uh, that Attorney General uh, Loretta Lynch authorize federal intervention into the police killings of unarmed African-American men and women. This AP notes uh, this action comes in the aftermath of the killing in uh, in Charlotte and uh, and in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The, the black lawmakers walked on Thursday from the U.S. Capitol to the Department of Justice to present the letter to Loretta Lynch. She was having a news conference of her own inside the building. 
Democratic Congressman uh, G.K. Butterfield of North Carolina, the caucus's chair, said they would tell the attorney general that, quote, enough is enough. The letter asks for state and federal investigations, indictments and prosecutions of police officers whose actions harm or kill unarmed African-Americans. And the fact of the matter is, if a police... Uh, a, a police officer kills someone that cannot be properly investigated as far as I'm concerned at the county level, not by the, the you know, the county prosecutors who work with those police every day. Uh, it's questionable whether they can be properly investigated at the state level. It seems like it ought to period ought to trigger a federal investigation whenever a law enforcement uh, officer kills anyone, period whether they're armed or not, whether they're African-American or not. Meanwhile, a North Carolina gun, route, gun rights group says uh, that uh, just because there's a state of emergency in Charlotte right now, that doesn't mean that people there are unable to carry their concealed handgun for defense if they have a permit for one. Well, as long as they're not black. And as Yeah, as long as they're not black and they don't take it out. <laughs> Grassroots North Carolina uh, is, is this, uh, this group. Their, their president, Paul Vallone, wrote on Thursday in a memo to its supporters, uh, strongly advising them to carry these lawful firearms if they can't avoid being in Charlotte and the surrounding Mecklenburg uh, County area. That after the two nights of violence in Charlotte uh, from the shooting of Keith Scott, Vallone points to a 2012 federal court ruling striking down a broad state law, making it a misdemeanor for people to possess or transport any dangerous weapon outside of their homes within an area where a state of emergency exists. Grassroots was a plaintiff in that litigation. Uh, meanwhile, while I note that uh, Donald Trump's campaign uh, again, don't want to give him credit for what he actually opportunistically said, because as we know, he will say whatever he needs to say wherever and whenever he needs to say it. Um, but uh, let's see where uh, on uh, this. This is the chair. Just to give you an idea, this is the chair of Donald Trump's campaign in a key Ohio county this is in uh, Mahoning County, I believe. Um the uh, the chair of Donald Trump's campaign in that uh, county said there was, quote, no racism, unquote, before Obama was elected. And he blamed uh, black Americans. She blamed black Americans for their own failures over the last 50 years. This was in an interview with The Guardian. Video of the exchange was published on Thursday and Trump's campaign chair for Mahoning County. Kathy Miller told a reporter that blacks have had all the same opportunities as anyone else. She said, quote, if you're black and you haven't been successful in the last 50 years, it's your own fault. Wow. She said it's time that blacks take responsibility for how they live. <laughs> asked if uh, Trump's campaign has helped to surface any of the racist undercurrent that we are now seeing in American society. Miller replied, I don't think there was any racism until Obama got elected. We never had problems like this. Well, I'm sure she never did. <laughs> well, exactly. She she even says as much. She said now with the people with the guns shooting up neighborhoods, not being responsible citizens. That's a big change. Apparently none of that happened before Barack Obama came to office. She said, uh, and I think that's the philosophy that Obama has 
perpetrated on America. I think that's all his responsibility. Oh, it's all Obama's fault. Correct. She said uh, she told The Guardian that she, quote, never experienced just what you said, Desi. uh, She never experienced racism or segregation while growing up in the 1960s and said about the civil rights movement, quote, I never saw that as anything. Wow. Once again, she is the uh, uh, campaign chair for Donald Trump in Mahoning County, Ohio, the swing state of Mahoning County. Now, that said, she has since resigned her post and she has apologized for the comments saying that she was not speaking for the campaign. That never happens. They never they never apologize for not what th- they say in the Trump campaign. Yeah. So I guess it was that bad, particularly amidst the unrest in North Carolina, the shooting in Donald Trump that even uh, the shooting in Tulsa that even Donald Trump could see that uh, even they had to uh, (laughs) call it off there. Uh, You know, and one more thing that just really, really rankles me about her comments that The Guardian published in that interview. Oh, there's lots to be rankled about these days. But, you know, the the fact that, you know, we focus, you focus so much and have for years on voter turnout and voter suppression. The fact that she said that she blamed low low voter turnout among African-Americans on, quote, the way they're raised. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's what she said? That's what she said. And, uh, of course, uh, the African-American voter turnout has not been that low. As a matter of fact, in some cases, it outpaced uh, white voter turnout back in 2012. Uh, It may have outpaced uh, white voter turnout actually in North Carolina. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But, uh, yeah, blame the voters. It's always easy to blame the voters. And if they're black voters, easier still to blame them. Talk about Ohio and voting in, in a moment, but I just uh, have to give some credit here to Congressman Tim Hulescamp, Republican from Kansas. He was uh, <laughs> he quoted a tweet uh, from a C-SPAN video in which Obama had made a joke about uh, Morgan Freeman. Let's see. Uh, the joke was we don't have the audio here, but I'll just tell you, uh, I'll, I'll read the, the joke here. The uh, president said uh, we also honor Wynton Marsalis, who unfortunately could not make it here today. Uh, and Morgan Freeman, who undoubtedly is off playing a black president again. <laughs> the president uh, quipped uh, this was uh, he was awarding the National Medals of Arts and Humanities. Uh, he said about uh, Morgan Freeman, he never lets me have my moment. He's always out there being a black president. Well, Congressman Hulescamp is just outraged, outraged that uh, Obama would joke about race. This is the tweet. He said, Obama jokes about race after two consecutive nights of hoodlums rioting in Charlotte. Outrageous. Man, there are so many uh, dog whistles in in that uh, in that uh, tweet. Hulescamp uh, had earlier said, uh, and by the way, he was voted out. Hulescamp is one of the few incumbent uh, uh, Congress people who was actually who actually lost this year. He was already he's a right wing uh, uh, Tea Party guy, and yet he was ousted uh, during the primary. So there's some good news. At least he's on his way out. I guess he's on his way to a Fox News contract or something. At this and now point. he's proving why he should be not in the uh, house. C- Correct. Uh, he had uh, tweeted, these are hoodlums, criminals, agitators, not protesters. 
law-abiding Americans should defend themselves, hashtag Second Amendment, hashtag Charlotte. Well, I'll tell that to Linda Flynn. I guess she was one of those hoodlums, criminals, agitators, and not, quote, protesters, as Hules Camp, uh, as Hules Camp saw it. <sighs> Man. Uh, meantime, in North Carolina... Uh, a tiny here's a tiny bit of light and we'll see because none of these polls uh, came out before uh, th- th- these uh, th- these protests and demonstrations broke out in North Carolina. But Hillary Clinton now holds a two point lead, 45 to 43 in North Carolina in a new poll from Siena College uh, and the New York Times upshot. However, so she has a two point lead there in that key swing state of North Carolina that Barack Obama won in uh, in 2008 and then Mitt Romney won in 2012. In both cases, the margin was very, very close. That's one of the reasons why we talk so much about the voter suppression law that North Carolina Republicans put in place right after the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act, the worst voter suppression law in the nation, which has thankfully since been cut down by a... Um, a federal court finding that it targeted African-Americans with surgical precision. In any case, Hillary Clinton in this poll is up by two points. But when including third party candidates, uh, the two major party uh, candidates are tied at 41 percent with um, libertarian uh, Gary Johnson following at 11%. It is unclear to me why any poll is taken in a state where you have the third party, where you have Gary Johnson for the libertarians, Jill Stein on the Green Party. Why do they, if they're on the ballot in that state, why are they even polling that state as head-to-head? It is nothing but misleading, it seems to me. You want to poll it with uh, all of the candidates, the the major party candidates anyway. And yes, the Libertarian and Green parties are considered major parties as opposed to a lot of states. They'll have 10 or 20 other people that manage to somehow get on the presidential ballot. But I don't even understand why they, uh, you know, why they do bother to do a head to head in some of these states. In any event, this uh, Siena New York Times Upshot poll comes uh, the day after Fox News released a poll of North Carolina showing Donald Trump ahead by five points, 47 to 42 among likely voters in the state. Right now, uh, North Carolina is pretty much an exact toss up, an exact mirror of what we saw in in 2008 and 2012, where it could go either way. The TPM uh, poll tracker average Right now has Trump leading Clint, uh, Clinton, I'm sorry, by uh, about 0.7, basically 44.8 to 44.1. So it's incredibly close. And yet I spoke with, uh, you know, a couple of folks I spoke with yesterday at the uh, at the state uh, here in uh, at KPFK. And I still think Democrats are in absolute denial. Oh, it does seem absolute to be absolute denial. Uh, you know, about the idea that Donald Trump very well could win. I don't know what this math is that they are looking at. You talk to some of them, they say, oh, well, yeah, I know. Those are national polls. They don't mean anything. Look at the state by state. But you look at the state by state polls 
And yeah, uh, 538.com, last I check, uh, checked, had just over, if you look, if the election was held today, has Hillary Clinton winning just barely, uh, about just more than a 50% chance of, win, uh, of, of winning. About 55%, I think, was the last number. The probability of Hillary Clinton getting to 270 electoral votes to, to win the presidency. This is incredibly close. And uh, when you see, you know, her lead now, this Fox News poll, um, uh, let's see, Trump is now leading Hillary Clinton by five points among likely voters in North Carolina, 47 to 42. Donald Trump is leading Hillary Clinton by five points in Ohio. In that case, a head-to-head match in Nevada. Trump is leading by four points in the swing state of Nevada. So these three key swing states, Trump is now leading in all uh, in all three of them. His advantage narrows a bit if it's a four-way race. In Nevada, he's winning 43 to 40. Um, and his five, but his five-point lead still holds in both North Carolina and Ohio when the third-party candidates are included in that polling. Which is, I think, something that you had mentioned, which uh, the, which is that the Gary Johnson, the Libertarian nominee, he is not peeling away voters from Donald Trump, as I think was assumed by many Democrats that would happen. He's peeling voters away from Hillary Clinton. Well, he's peeling more voters, right? He's more taking voters. voters, obviously, from both of them. But if you force uh, voters to decide, if you force Gary Johnson voters to uh, decide who they would prefer if uh, Gary Johnson was not running, you know, who uh, either Clinton or or Trump that they would prefer. More of them, according to a recent poll, said they would support uh, Hillary Clinton well, over Donald Trump. So that means more. Well, it's not it's, it's troubling to know. That means m- there are more potential Clinton supporters who are currently voting for Gary Johnson than Trump supporters who are voting for a larger percentage. Um, so, you know, make of that what you will. And by the way, I don't blame, you know, voters for anything. I blame candidates for not winning their vote. I also blame that vote. Correct. And I blame uh, the media for doing a terrible, terrible job on reporting on the candidates, both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, so there is, you know, if you if you ask uh, people about, uh, well, why do you not? uh, What are your concerns about Hillary Clinton? They'll tell you, oh, her email which is just absolute, complete, and utter nonsense. It's a nonsense story, but it has been misreported by uh, by the mainstream corporate media for, a, you know, I, I was going to say months, but really almost years at this point. So people just have a false impression. Now, that doesn't excuse Hillary Clinton. She needs to get out there and make her case for herself. But uh, I guess it falls to me, much as it did during the primary, when I said to these Republicans who thought Donald Trump could never win, he would never win month after month after month. Oh, he'll fall apart. Oh, he's topped out. He's not going to go any higher. And I kept saying, "Uh, what are you talking about? Where do you get that idea? So I, I saw Republicans in denial then. I see Democrats in denial now. Make of it what you will, but um, get out of denial Quick break, and we're back with more broadcast right after this.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. A little bit of a uh, update on that uh, Alabama pipeline spill that we covered earlier this week in a moment. But, I, uh, one, you know, one of the other reasons we haven't talked about it actually in a while on this program, at least a few days, uh, the concerns about the voting system, not just the voter suppression, but the co- concerns about the voting machines themselves. And that is underscored today. Uh, by a report uh, that Yahoo now says that data associated with at least 500 million user accounts has been stolen in what may be one of the largest cybersecurity breaches ever. And remember, that's Yahoo. That's Yahoo security with hundreds of millions of, uh, of users. Imagine those little local county election officials using their uh, uh, computers, their their, their voting machine, their ten-year-old voting, yeah, Windows ninety-five computers uh, to uh, to tally your votes. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, maybe we'll talk about that on our next thrilling episode. Got a bunch of uh, uh, voting stories. Voter suppression stories, voting machine stories that have been uh, piling up here that I have not been able to get to. But okay, very quickly here, um, the uh, Colonial Pipeline line number one down in Alabama, which spilled some uh, 336,000 gallons of gasoline last week. Talked about it er earlier in the week with um, Alabama Media Group's Dennis Pillion down on the ground. That pipeline, you'll be happy to know, Desi Doyen is now flowing again. Yeah, I heard. Aren't you delighted? Mm. Uh, So that uh, the gas shortages along the East Coast, this pipeline runs uh, almost uh, through 12 states from Houston, Texas, up to New York. That is uh, now coming back, although there will still be shortages uh, for a while following the 12-day shutdown of that line. But one of the things that Dennis Pillion said on this program was that the uh, the company has actually been doing a great job, has been very transparent in uh, updating even the local environmentalists about what is going yeah, on. Yeah, they've all praised them as being very responsive. However, they have not allowed them on the site. They've been still holding them out of the site. That's you know, it's uh, journalists and so forth said to be for uh, safety reasons. Because the, of the fumes. The fumes, that's what they claim. And I said when we talked, I think, uh, with Dennis, I said, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes with this company. And he did too. And Yeah, yeah and there is reason to be dubious because after I spoke with him, I, I went and did uh, some, some, a little bit of research on this company, Colonial Pipeline. Uh, an article back in 2004 in, uh, on the online Athens uh, website Uh, reported that the Danielsville Booster Station spill, this was in the middle of a spill back in September of 2004, uh, a spill by Colonial Pipeline uh, in Georgia, online Athens. So the Danielsville Booster Station spill is one of 10 active Colonial Pipeline cleanups in Georgia, according to records of the 
Environmental Protection Division. Those spills are just part of a longer list along the company's 5,500 miles of pipelines in dozens of states. In 2003, for example, Colonial agreed to pay a $34 million fine and an estimated $30 million uh, for increased inspections, maintenance, and monitoring along its pipelines to settle a lawsuit with the EPA, with the U.S. EPA. At the time, this was the largest civil fine in EPA history, according to the agency, that $34 million sp- uh, uh, fine. The EPA lawsuit was filed in 2001. At that time, there had been at least 194 colonial pipeline spills in 12 states. Between 1966 and 1994, numerous spills in the following years. The EPA cited three spills in particular that it said involved gross negligence by the company, including one uh, near Athens, Georgia, in uh, 1997 less than a mile from a reservoir that supplies drinking water to four counties. Um, That one was only a hiccup in the context of the 96 million gallons of petroleum products that Colonial delivers daily, said a company spokesperson at the time, even though it almost contaminated the drinking water. Also cited in that EPA settlement was a 1996 uh, spill in the Reedy River near Greenville, South Carolina, Um, The pipeline had burst over the river by the time the leak was detected and stopped nearly a million gallons of fuel oil poured out into a slick that was visible for 23 miles and polluted 34 miles of river. The Colonial had known for many years that the pipeline was substandard, according to the EPA, but they failed to fix it. Uh, one case after another. I know we're, we're running late here, but uh, by 1999, uh, leaks from Colonial Pipeline had polluted more than 60 acres of groundwater uh, in a spill in Louisiana. Another spill was detected just outside of uh, Winder in 1994 in an area of mixed agriculture and residential use uh, near near an airport there. Subsequent investigations by Colonial identified the, the source as a 1976 leak that had not been cl- uh, cleaned up. So this spill in 94 was from a leak in 1976 that the company had failed to properly clean up. Wow. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm dubious whenever I hear these companies after these spills saying, oh, it's fine. We'll take care of it. It's limited. It's a hiccup. It's not a lot. Well, we'll get in there and we'll clean it all up. We find uh, years later they don't. Uh, It hasn't been cleaned up. It is much worse than they originally reported. Uh, So there is a reason why they're up there in North Dakota trying to keep the Dakota Access Pipeline from getting built in the first place. All right. I know we got to get out. My thanks to uh, our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, to our guest today, Linda Flynn from the Charlotte Spirituality Center, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of the program, download it as ever at bradblog.com for free. Leave us a comment there if you like, or drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. I think that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. We're going to need it.